Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Topta at C70. With me as always, David Jones, iPop editor. Uh, we're coming to you with actual baseball games in the rearview mirror. Um, David, we have survived the winter. The The cold is gone. It literally gone here. It was like 80 degrees today. Um, and there are baseball games on our TV. It, it's a wonderful thing. Well, when I heard you say rear view, I thought you were talking about the Fanatics jerseys once again that we could see through <laughs> and see everything. Uh, but yes, baseball is back in business and we finally get to see games. They don't count, but we can still overreact to everything we've seen in the last 36 hours. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, I want to know how concerned you are the fact that the Cardinals are a half game out of first in the um Grapefruit League, and we know what happened when the Cardinals won the Grapefruit League last year. So is there concern on your part that the Cardinals have won two of the first three games? Well, I tell you what, when they lost their the first game of their split squad game, um, I was convinced that they're just going to go 0-162 this year. <laughs> Fifteen minutes later, they won the other game. And so, you know, we may be headed to 81 and 81. So it... You know, just Mo doing his typical thing, just trying to make the playoffs. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, it is so funny looking at these records. It it was kind of a, I guess, a, a funny thing that they won the grapefruit title last year uh, and then fell flat on their faces. But um, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe a study has been done to see if there is some correlation between success. I can't see there being a lot. I think there's even a year that maybe the Colts won the Super Bowl after going 0-4 in the preseason. So I think a lot of these games, no matter what sport it is, it's, it's teams trying stuff out, letting guys try new pitches, um, playing guys that are never going to have a shot at being at the major league. So I win loss. It, it's not a big deal. Now my five-year-old, he gets a little down about it. Uh, he, he was upset <laughs> that the Cardinals lost. And then I had to try to explain to him what a split squad was. And I just decided to tell him, no, the Cardinals lost. So yeah, for for the kids it may be a little disappointing, but, yeah, but um, then you said, and now they've won. So then he's really confused. Yeah, so, I was um, trying to explain how the Cardinals won and lost in fifteen minutes. It was really, it was really difficult. But yeah. uh, <laughs> I didn't even tell him about today's game because he's going to be asking, "Where's Nolan?" Well, well, Nolan wasn't playing. What about the other Nolan? Oh, he wasn't playing either. But here's some guys whose names I will never be able to say again or pronounce again. They're playing and um, you know stuff like that. Um, yeah, so that's where we are. Well, but one guy that was playing today was Mason Wynn, uh, which was a big deal, right? I mean, not a not a huge deal, I guess, in the fact that he what he did, because he did have a very good game. But the fact that, you know, earlier this week we're hearing about a little bit of tightness and, you know, they held him out of both of the split squad games on Saturday. So for him to just be out on the field playing on Sunday, I think took a load off of a lot of people. Um, and then for him to go out, you know, three for three, make a good defensive play. Um, that was just kind of, kind of gravy. Yeah. You know, when you hear tightness and you hear 21 years old, uh, you, a lot of times you think, okay, it's just, a, it, it shouldn't be anything big. Um, you know, a guy's playing that maybe 38 years old and he's got tightness. It may put him out for two weeks. So I wasn't too concerned when I heard about this and it's one thing to miss games during the season. It's another thing to be held out during spring training. So uh, it was one of those things you kind of 
uh, okay, hopefully it's not too bad. And I think what made the issue a little bit more is that the Post-Dispatch had a piece where it talked about the Cardinals might be looking at outside options potentially if both Edmund was going to be out long term and Wynn might have injuries. But to see him show up today, go three for three, hit the ball well, make a great defensive play, I think things are okay. I think they're going to be all right. The issue might be who is going to be the backup shortstop going into the season if Tommy Edmund isn't ready. So I, I kind of think that's where we're at right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, and we were talking a little bit about this before the show that, you know, in baseball, you don't have 15 day contracts and you don't have, you know, practice squads and you don't have things like that. And so, you know, to, to go and get somebody is, is a commitment. I mean, even if it's just league minimum, you're paying them league minimum for the gear, right? Even if they only play, 10 games or if they're Ryan Tapura who pitched in two last year, you know I mean? <laughs> it was, was there one day on the next. Um, so I don't, you don't think, I think if Mason Wynn is healthy, you don't worry as much about backup shortstop. You do have Jose Fermin who again is no great shakes. You wouldn't want him out there on a regular basis, but you know, if you want to give Mason Wynn a day off or if Mason Wynn needs to, come out of a game early or something like that. Jose Fermin can cover the position. You also have people like Brendan Donovan, you know, the Cardinals are working with Thomas Gacy um, this winter, although he'd have to be added to the 40 man, you know, he's been taking some, some reps out there at shortstop too. So I think they can get by with that. I do think that the crisis has been averted, but I mean, again, you never know. And it, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm, personally of the opinion and you can tell me if you what you think Tommy Edmonds not going to start this not going to start the year on this team he's going to be on the injured list I, I just don't feel like there's a, I mean when they're talking still about weeks before he can swing the bat I just feel like that's going to be a situation where they're going to wind up putting him on the injured list yeah it, it sounded like some of the reports that came out made it sound like he's still weeks away and when you're talking about the, op- the opening day being like less than five weeks away. That's a little bit troubling. Um, Even if he was ready to swing a bat by opening day, he's got to get some reps. He's got to see some live pitching. Then there were some more reports that kind of made it sound like, oh, they feel very confident that he will be available by opening day. It's tough to know what to believe when it's coming from the Cardinals. Uh, We kind of heard the similar thing with Paul DeYoung, I think last year with his back and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes minor injuries end up being huge stints on the IL. Sometimes minor injuries end up being a guy bouncing back in a couple days. So I, I am curious to hear what happens. What I'm curious to ask you is if Edmund begins the year on the IL, mm-hmm. who is the backup shortstop to Mason Wynn? Uh, you mentioned for uh, there are some other options out there, I guess for the Cardinals, I doubt they're going to sign and, Ahmed or Brandon Crawford for a short term for like a week or so. Who do you think is that backup shortstop who might get a one start a week if Edmund can't start? I think it's probably for me. I mean, he's already on the 40 man. He's can go back. Uh, I'd have to, I need to double check. I assume he can go back to Memphis because it doesn't. I mean, if Edmund is healthy, he's going to go to Memphis. So um, I, I believe he could probably do that. I, it just seems like that's the path of least resistance especially if they're looking at Edmund me you know missing like the first week or two or something like that you know if it's some type of long-term issue like you said then maybe you go outside the organization but um I just don't think there's any particular reason to 
try to reinvent the wheel for a guy that you hope isn't going to play. I mean, if, if Tommy Edmonds out for two weeks and if Mason Wynn is healthy, your backup shortstop is going to play what one, one game, maybe two. I mean, it's, I mean, I know the early run doesn't have as many off days and, and maybe that plays into it, but they're not going to play very much no matter what. So I think you can get by with a guy like for instead of trying to do something else. Yeah, that's kind of where I, I think you're probably looking. Then I, I wouldn't feel comfortable throwing a Brendan Donovan or a Thomas J.C. in there when those those guys haven't been playing that position. Um, which, as we we talked off air earlier this week, the Cardinals are no strangers to throwing a guy there at the last <laughs> minute. Um, they've done that with many positions over the years, but you hope that they wouldn't do something like that, especially a position like shortstop where. Uh, you really need somebody who can cover the, some ground, who's comfortable with that position, especially with no shift around. So I think Fermin's probably the guy, but I, what does worry me is I feel like because of that huge run at the beginning of the season, you need a guy who can step in and play, probably start maybe two of the first 10 games or so. Mm-hmm. And if Mason Wynn is feeling great and you hope he is, if he struggles, you know, you may need to give the rookie some time to get his head clear uh, for a game or so um, and and let him kind of sit and rest and watch. And so you may end up playing for me in a little bit more than expected early on, if that's what it comes down to. But I, hopefully Edmund's back. Uh, hopefully he's swinging the bat and he's ready. Um, even if it's five days into the season or something like that, you hope that he's ready to go. Um, I just don't know really what to believe coming from this uh this cardinal staff the medical staff because of things we've heard in the past yeah and i mean i I imagine it's even to them to their point right they don't they don't sometimes don't know even day to day of what what how edmund's going to react to this test or that test or whatever the case may be and so um things could change but i yeah with with injuries in general it's just like i don't want to be the oh well we're not gonna see edmund till june type of thing i don't think it's that but it does feel like, you know, unless he's swinging the bat in, it, he'd probably need, what, at least six or seven games maybe to get going? I mean, granted, people come off the injured list and they send them to Memphis and they play, let them play two games and then they bring them back up. So maybe not, but it feels like, especially to start a season, you'd want Tommy Edmund to play in a week's worth of games or so before for the opener. Yeah, and I would assume he hasn't swung a bat since the end of last season. So you're looking at you're talking about a guy that hasn't been in the cage, hasn't seen live pitching for months. Um, whereas some guys coming off the IL, maybe it's been 15 days or so. So yeah, I think you're t- you're probably talking at least a week that he's going to need to get ready, if not a little bit longer than that. Yeah, so that you know that does you know, play into a lot of a lot of things. So. You know, again, if that's your problem, if that's your major problem and what's your, um, who your, you know, last pitcher in the bullpen is going to be, you know, it's not a very dramatic <laughs> spring training and that's fine. I don't think we need dramatic spring trainings. I think there's a lot of interesting things to watch this while, while they're out there. And it's so hard right now because, you know, they're, they're setting a, a limit, you know, Ryan Helsley's pitching in the fourth inning or something like that. And so you can't really get a feel for what this bullpen is going to look like, but there are so many intriguing names out there that it's going to be kind of interesting to track them, especially as games get a little bit more serious to see how they're used and, you know, who Ollie Marmol starts to rely on. 
Yeah, I think the Cardinals have too many relievers right now, but I don't say that in a bad sense. I think they have a lot of guys who are vying for the final positions in the bullpen. Um, And I mean, you may have eight or nine guys trying to get into four positions that are open at this point. And I think competition in this sense is good. Uh, You don't want this with your starters necessarily. You kind of want to have an idea who your starters are going to be. But I think this is a very good thing. But I think this also means there's going to be some really good guys that are starting the year at Memphis. There may be some really good guys that are starting the year at Springfield because they're overstocked. But, you know, Riley O'Brien is one of those guys who has kind of been left off a lot of lists when people are projecting who's going to be in the bullpen. But the guy, everything we had heard about him for the last couple of weeks is that he is electric, that his stuff is moving. He gets into a game on Saturday and he shows it. I mean, the guy is hitting 98 or above 98 with his fastball, something he didn't even do last season. Um, he seems like he has remade himself, and I think he can be effective. Gordon Graceffo, another one of those guys. People kind of have been a little low on him since last year he struggled. My belief is that he never really fully recovered from his shoulder injury last year. Even I've heard Baseball America talk about how he struggled to know how to pitch hurt or for the first time because the first time he had been hurt in his entire career. So I think we're seeing, and we saw it today, Gordon Graceffo, who is fully healthy, he's a guy that may have a shot at getting into the bullpen in some some way, somehow. I wish they would have had a radar gun going today. Uh, no way of knowing what he was throwing, but his stuff looked nasty. Uh, his slider looked nasty. His fastball was working. So, yeah, there there's going to be some great competition. I have no idea who's going to fill out those final spots right now. Um, I think, really, I think there could be eight guys vying for four spots at this point, and it, that's going to be exciting to watch to see what happens. And unless we have some injuries that happen at other positions, that's really going to probably be the only big race that we see going down to the end of spring training. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think, I mean, again, you got guys like Graceffo and things like that, but again, this 40 man is, is, is kind of full right now. I mean, I'm not saying there's people that I wouldn't take off of it, but you know, you've got guys like Jared Young and, you know, Buddy Kennedy, that maybe they take them off. But, you know, again, they provide, at least Kennedy provides a little bit of shortstop depth as well at Memphis. And, you know, they just put Alfonso Rebos on there. So it seems like that would be weird for them to take him off. Um, You know, when you start looking at some of these guys, and I I think it's one of the arguments I have also with, you know, some of these people that are, are very excited about Victor Scott too, which we all are, right? I mean, and he's had a good first couple of days in camp too, but, you know, just some of the obstacles of getting guys to where they could be on the 26th man. I mean, logistically, um, throws up that roadblock because this is an organization and a lot of organizations are, I don't really want to put this just completely on the Cardinals. I think a lot of them would be, but they're not looking to, to take the difficult road, right? I mean, they're going to do what's easiest and what's easiest is to, you know, let, Victor Scott go to Memphis and, and be ready um, while they handle the outfield with the guys that they have. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right with that kind of the path of least resistance for a lot of things. And so that's why I think a Ryan Fernandez is probably going to have a leg up on other competition because of the whole rule five thing that's in play there. Um, it's why somebody like Riley O'Brien may have a leg up on a Graceffo, even though I think O'Brien's going to, I think he's going to look great for the rest of spring. Um, 
but yeah, that, that 40 man is pretty packed right now. And the 26 man is going to be pretty packed. And so I really do believe we're going to see some guys put up great numbers who look like they're worthy of making the roster who start at Memphis and either are starting at Memphis in a starting role or they're in the bullpen at Memphis. But I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, the high and bloom model a lot of times was to have that shuttle going back and forth between the majors and AAA with the relievers. And we may see that we may see the Memphis shuttle going constantly where they're you just kind of rotating guys back and forth. Um, now the whole player option thing comes into play and things mm-hmm. like that. So you can't just be doing that all the time, but I, I think we're going to see guys worthy of the roster who start in Memphis, who end up being on the roster later in the year, but of course, like you mentioned, they're going to have to do some interesting moves potentially with the 26 man unless injuries happen because it's stocked full right now of pitching. Yeah. And then, you know, that rotation in the bullpen, which is not a bad thing. I and mean, you didn't want to see that, but you kind of look at the the way the makeup is going to be. And there's, you know, there's four or five guys out there that can't be optioned. And then you got a guy like Jojo jo- jo Romero, who, if he's pitching well, won't be optioned. Right. So there may be a little bit less of a spot for them to turn over, especially if somebody like a Riley O'Brien comes up and just lights the world on fire where that you can't rotate him out. Right. You know, he's, he's there. And so all of a sudden you're, you're one place of roster turn is just one, one roster spot. So, um, you know, maybe that's good too, is you, you can spread those five uh, options per player out a little bit more when you're rotating three or four guys through one spot. I don't know, but uh, yeah, you know, it's still it's it's still interesting that they took Fernandez as that rule five guy because of the flexibility that it cuts into. But if he does what we think he can do, it'll probably look like a smart move. Yeah, and that's what you got to hope for. You got to hope that you're not just stuffing a guy away um, for future use, and you get nothing out of him, and then you end up regretting it. He needs to be a guy that can pitch now and pitch effective. I, the Cardinals, I think it was back in the late 90s, they did this one time with a guy. They stuffed a pitcher away and barely used him and hoped he could be something more. Um, Mejia, maybe. And he, nothing came of him. Uh, but So the, in the situation now, there's bullpen usage is too important that this guy has to pitch and he has to be effective from day one. If not, then maybe you don't keep him. Um, you, you would hate to – and I know in some – places ego might come into play where it looks like you're admitting you made a mistake but um yeah there's just not a lot of room um and you know they made the moves this offseason with Klofenstein and um Reversa uh some of those moves to put Mm -hmm. these guys on the 40 man that we didn't necessarily think were needed but the Cardinals just for some reason feel like they always have to be at have 40 people on that 40 man and so that also kind of handcuffs them going forward a little bit well, I think also with, especially with Lovestein and Reversa, they didn't want to immediately lose somebody that they had traded for. Um, you know, if this was a year later, maybe they're not protecting them. But, you know, if you go and trade, you know, Jack Flaherty for, you know, for one of their two, or I can't remember who, who came with who, but um, but still, you want to you want to have something to show for that trade. Obviously, you still have to call Roby and you still have, uh, and, and and John King has been pretty good. But when you look at some of those other trades, I just, I think those are kind of guys, especially the way pitching is going, that very well could have been taken in the rule five. That being said, we didn't see Ian Bedell taken, which he's farther down, but still, you know, maybe they could have gotten by. Um, but, uh, you know, 
this is not an organization that wants to gamble on something blowing up on their faces because when it can, it does. <laughs> that is true. Um, yeah. And I mean, we've seen that they just seem, they can't quit Wilking Rodriguez either. Yeah. Um, they, they had to keep him around in some capacity and they found a way to kind of sneak him through. And so, yeah, they, they, they stick with their guys for sure. But I think that's an interesting too. I mean, you know, Rodriguez now is, uh, you know, not on the 40 man. You've got uh, Josh James who signed a minor league contract, not on the 40 man. I mean, there's two guys right there when we're talking about this full bullpen. And then again, Graceffo, uh, probably not Michael McGreevy, uh, who did not look great in his first outing yet. And I don't think McGreevy profiles as a guy that they want to want the bullpen. I don't know that he profiles as a guy they want in the starting rotation either, but it's another story. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, so there are guys there that are, again, where, where you, you've got so many on the 40 man, and then you've got these guys that, you know, if they have a really strong spring, what do you do? So it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see. And then again, it's, it's also like, how much do you want to take into account? I mean, if Riley O'Brien comes in and has a great spring, that's also probably what, six innings? against you know a mix of major league and minor league talent how much effort how much do you take away from that i know they're watching him i know they're looking at more than just the actual stat line but there's just only so much you're going to see against live pitching and i don't know how much you should weigh that yeah i and that's definitely above my pay grade when we (laughs) talk about things like that um i i remember in some uh, previous camps guys talking about like i think it was helsley maybe that um when some of the veterans were seeing him for the first time they were just kind of blown away because they talked about how heavy the ball was that he was throwing and when he got it low and he was hitting triple digits they said it was like trying to swing and make contact with a bowling ball, not because of the size of it, but because it just felt like you hit it and it didn't do anything. And so I think there's going to be things like that that happen in camp and on the backfields that we don't see that make a bigger Mm -hmm. difference. Um, I feel like Jake Woodford may have been one of those guys too, that they talked about having great stuff and then it never translated to the major league season. So who knows what really happens, but um, yeah, I I, I think it's, they're going to, they're going to evaluate some of the games and some guys are going to make the most of the time that they have in those games. But I think there's going to be a lot of stuff that happens that we don't see. And then of course, like you said, they're going to probably do the easiest thing that they can. That doesn't require crazy moves or possibly losing somebody or burning an option that they don't want to use. Most likely. Now then again, I mean, the, the Cardinals have never been shy about promoting talent when it's ready. Right. I mean, you could argue sometimes that Dylan Carlson could have come up a little before he did. And, you know, there's some, some others here and there, maybe. But for the most part, you know, I can think back to Jordan Hicks, you know, a number of years ago. You know, he's coming out of single A. But Yadier Molina says he can pitch in the major leagues. And so they don't worry about options and all that kind of stuff. And that's why Jordan Hicks is not on the team anymore. Right. Because it's been six years since then, which is crazy to think about. Um, so, the, you know, if, if somebody does come out and, you know, just lays claim. I, you know, I, I think we saw it last year as well with Jordan Walker, right? I mean, he came into spring and, you know, that first half of spring especially was just on fire and they made room for him. Not, not for very long, maybe, you know, they might have had him go to Memphis, but um, they did make room for him. And so I, I don't, I think that's encouraging for these young guys to come into camp to know that, Hey, it may be a bit of a long shot, but if I do everything I can do, 
the organization could do something for me. And it's not like I have no chance whatsoever. Yeah. And it seems that the only time that they don't do that is when someone's blocked. And, but that has happened quite a bit, but it usually happens kind of at a corner position more than anything where, I mean, you're not going to have a Luke and Baker come up and take over for Paul Goldschmidt. It's just not happening. Um, you're not going to have somebody come play third for Nolan Arnato. Uh, you know that we're we're not at that point, and so I think that's where we've seen guys maybe get held down a little bit longer than what you would normally think, just because they were kind of positionless. Positionless. Um, there wasn't a spot for them at the big league club, and so yeah, I think pitching it's a little more likely to see guys moved up a little bit faster and um, used when they're ready. It, it's some of the bats that we see that may spend a little more time in triple a because of that. And, and, but there's also other issues too, like Moises Gomez, you look at his home run numbers and you think, well, that guy should be in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. Then you look at everything else surrounding those home run numbers and you're like, eh, maybe not. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do think there are some other issues in play too. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree that um, especially with pitchers and then with some prospects, they do a pretty good job of making sure their guys get up and they don't seem to hold them back too far. Yeah, which is which is good. I mean, again, you you've never heard the Cardinals um, be accused of you know manipulating play uh, service time and stuff like that um, for financial reasons. At least, like I said, if if the if a guy is being held back, there's another reason than that. It's not the Chris Bryant with the Cubs where there is absolutely no reason not to to bring somebody up. So so anyway. Um, the, you know, again, I didn't get to see much. I know you got to see some more than I did over the last couple of days. But did anything besides Mason Wynn's game today kind of stand out to you? Uh, well, Graceffo for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I was I was impressed by that. Um, Tink Hintz had a pretty good outing. Um, I, I kind of caught bits and pieces of it, and I was kind of doing some other things, so I didn't get to see all of it. Uh, but he had his high, his strikeout total was high, but so was his walk total. Now, one thing that I saw a few people say was that he it probably shouldn't have been that he was getting squeezed behind from the home plate umpire. So if that's the case, then you know some people felt like he actually got multiple outs um instead of three outs he may have gotten four or five in the inning uh but yeah his stuff looked pretty electric and he he seemed to be hitting his spots pretty well um so that was really good to see um i'm trying to think from the hitting side of things a a lot of it was just kind of business as usual i mean seeing victor scott still second always very cool um catcher didn't even get to throw down uh so with a couple hits already uh seeing him drive the ball which one of his almost left the ballpark um, I think he's one of those guys who's just going to hit um, great hit tool. You hope the things around him can develop as well. A little more power uh, because I think the Cardinals could have a really great player on their hands there. But yeah, that's, those are probably the things that stood out the most, um, you know, credit to the pitchers today to throw a shutout against the Astros who may or may not have been cheating. Who knows? <laughs> um, just got to bring that up again. So yeah. Um, you know, three games in, but uh, it, it's it's been enjoyable and fun to watch so far. Well, I've apparently I felt like it has been turned must have been turned back the clock day uh, yesterday to 2017 or 2018 because uh, Matt Carpenter got I believe hit with a pitch and then hit a double. Um, so 
I don't know that you take. It wasn't one of those ringing in the gap doubles that are really exciting. It was one of those slicing balls down the line that just kind of bounced over the wall. But hey, that's still more than we thought we'd get out of Matt Carpenter for like weeks, probably. So, you know, maybe, you know, putting the Cardinal uniform back on will give him a little bit of a boost. Who knows? Uh, he may hit 700 home runs this year in a Cardinal uniform. Um, right. I believe that would be a record for a season, but uh, he may get there. Who knows? We've seen yeah. it before. I, I mean, not 700 home runs in a season. No, I don't think we have seen that before. But um, I mean, I don't know which video games you play. So maybe, I don't know. It seems, <laughs> seems like a lot. But um, I mean, yeah, again, it was just, it was nice to, to see you know something good out of Carpenter. Because I think it's very easy for us to think that Carpenter's going to go like over 100 and just be this dead weight on this team. And, and again, he's not going to be anything any great shakes and he's obviously not here for his offense or his defense or anything else. But, you know, if they get something out of him, even if he hits like 240, 250, I think that, you know, with a little bit of power, you know, some double power, at least that's probably more than we expect. So, you know, going in with a very low expectation means that probably we're just going to be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And if he gets up with the bases loaded, you kind of got to like your chances. The the guy seems year, like, right? yeah, I, he, he, uh, he is not phased by the moment when he gets in those tight spots. Um, he's going to draw a walk or he's going to get a hit or hit a grand slam or something. He, I, and I bet he still has that magic. Uh, some of that Cardinals magic is still inside of him if he gets up with the bases loaded. So, uh, yeah, you know, and, and Hey, maybe, maybe he's one of those guys that's going to have a strong first half. And if he fades in the second half, so be it. But if he can give him some punch early on, great. Yeah. Um, I saw, again, I saw very little, but, um, I saw, I don't want to, I don't want to pick on him because I don't think it was very easy, but did see Jordan Walker completely miss the ball in the outfield, but it was against, you know, the sun was completely in his eyes. He, it, I mean, that's, you see that in spring, right? I mean, those balls are, are hard to find, but it's just the fact that it was Jordan Walker. It was like, oh, you know, you, you hate to see that. And, and then I did see, it looked like Alec Burleson may have been struggling a little bit in the outfield too, but as much as he worked this winter, I think we still kind of expect that a little bit. Yeah. I almost brought up Burleson because, um, Watching him over two games, any ball that was hit to him looked like an adventure out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one, I think he kind of almost made like a sliding catch. Um, that There was some miscommunication between him and the second baseman, uh, which should have probably been an easy pop-up for somebody just to put in their glove and take to the infield in the, the inning. But uh, it was a little bit crazy out there. So yeah, his defense is still lacking and wanting for more. Um, I didn't see the Walker play. I'll have to check that out, but hopefully it was just a sun issue um, with it being completely different playing on those fields. But uh, yeah, um, Burleson just not, he, he's not going to get confused for a gold glover out there unless that gold glover is Ozuna. <laughs> yeah, this is true. I mean, he didn't climb the wall, so there's that. <laughs> um, but um, yeah. And again, I mean, uh, and Burleson, I mean, Burleson, if, if he can hit, you know, he's probably going to be DHing more than anything anyway. I mean, and you'll put him out there if you have to, or one of those games where you'll start him in the outfield and by the sixth inning, then somebody else is out there. Um, but you, you would like to see him make some strides, especially when he apparently did so much work this, you know, I was talking about it, how much work he did this winter. And so far the results are, limited. but you know, it's two games. I mean, and it's hard to say, you know, you can't put a whole lot of stock into, any of that stuff. I mean, he's still missing balls like that in the, you know, the last couple of games, that air, that Cubs series right before the season starts, then, 
then maybe we're not going to see much of, of him in the outfield. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to be an adventure right. uh, every single time. Yeah. But again, hopefully if he brings the bat tool that we think he can bring with the numbers and the, you know, some of the metrics seem to indicate he can, he'll find a spot either here or somewhere else. Right. I mean, he'll either find a DH spot or maybe he'll play some first base when, when Goldschmidt doesn't need to, or, or he'll be some piece at the trade deadline. Um, we'll just have to see, but you know, hopefully he just hits and we figure it out later. That works for me. Yeah. Well, I figured so. So, um, all right. I guess pretty much everybody, we, everybody's in camp. Everybody's playing. Um, except Yachty, of course, but well, a different story. I mean, that's Yachty. Um, and, uh, except for, you know, Edmund's in camp. He's just not, not swinging. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a fine start to the, to the season, if you will, or the spring training. And, um, you know, Sonny Gray goes for his first time as a Cardinal this week. Um, we'll get to see the star effect, the starters, I guess none of the starters have gone yet. So we'll start seeing them this week. And, you know, maybe by this time next week, we'll have, just that much more of a clue about this team, or we will still know nothing. Yeah. Let me ask you this question. Uh, who gets to camp first in a, not just Cardinals camp, any camp, Yadier Molina or Jordan Montgomery? Uh, probably, probably Yadi, but I don't know if his basketball team's playing. So that's a different story. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I wonder about, I mean, we saw Cody Bellinger get signed today or yesterday or this morning, whatever. Um, but I'm still, I mean, I, you know, there's still no real movement on Snell, Montgomery, uh, Chapman, guys like that. And it just makes me wonder if these, at least one of those guys doesn't go into the regular season without a job. And that's going to be really weird. And I'm maybe kind of telling that, Boris kind of misread things. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I would, no one would love it more than me to see Boris just get stuck with a bad deal at some point, which I say get stuck with a bad deal. He's making millions off every player. Right. Uh, but I, I, I would love to see that, but I, I feel like he's still so sneaky, slimy. I don't know what the right word is that he's got something up his sleeve and maybe he's just waiting that he knows a pitcher's going to go down with an injury or uh, I, I just feel like Snell and Montgomery are going to get paid and they're going to get paid a lot. Now, if Montgomery takes the Bellinger deal somewhere, I think we're going to hear lots of Cardinal fans saying the Cardinals could have and should have done that. Yep. Um, that could be debated. And I think good arguments could be made both ways. Uh, the Cubs found a way to do a Bellinger deal that push, pushes them right up into the luxury tax threshold, but does not put them over. Um, it's basically three one-year contracts with those opt-outs in there. So mm-hmm. it has a potential to either work out or not work out for them or work out or not work out for him. But yeah, I'm curious to see what happens with the pitchers. Are they going to have to settle for one-year deals with multiple opt-outs that can make it longer deals? Or does he have something in the works where these guys are going to get five-year deals and they're going to break the bank. I don't know. There's still that small piece of me that has a little bit of hope that Montgomery still signs with the Cardinals. But if his price comes down, there's going to be 12 teams ready to pounce on that. So I don't think the Cardinals will be there. But um, I'm going to hold on just a little bit of hope until 
I hear that he signs. I will say I'd much rather the Cubs sign Bellinger than sign Snell or Montgomery. So I'm yeah. not too upset with that signing. Yeah. It was interesting. I got, I'm on the, the free list for Joe Sheehan's a newsletter. I haven't been able to pull the trigger on, on getting on the paid list, but um, he sent out one today about the Bellinger signing and he has the Cubs. He feels like the Cubs are the favorites in the, in the division. I think he had them pretty close anyway. And then Bellinger kind of put them over the top. I, I mean, that's a guy that's coming at this with a little bit, unbi- a little less bias than we do. So, um, but it was, it's still fairly interesting to say that, um, and maybe it is, I don't know. I mean, maybe they are the favorites now. Um, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's clear cut at any, at any rate. Now, if the Cardinals would go out and get Jordan Montgomery, the balance would shift quite a bit, uh, toward the Cardinals, but I'm pretty sure they don't see it that way. Yeah. I'm, I'm not convinced that they are a whole lot better than they were last year. I think they've kind of just replaced pieces. Now the argument that someone would make is that their young guys are going to get better. And I do believe that's true. Guys like Morrell are going to be better, but at the same time, the Cardinals have that same thing going on. You, you hope mm-hmm. that Jordan Walker's better. You hope that the shortstop position's better. Uh, you got to think that Contreras might be a little better. Newt's going to be healthier. Uh, Pitching is going to be better. So, yeah, I, I, I think you could make that same argument for both teams. But, yeah, the Cubs lost Stroman. They added Imanaga. Um, they lost Bellinger. They added Bellinger. Uh, they lost Candelario. Um, they added, I guess you could say they added Michael Bush uh, with a trade, which I think is a great trade for them, but I don't know if he's quite ready yet. Um so yeah, maybe Pete Crow Armstrong comes on and is just stellar for them. Um, I think they got a steal in the Naris deal, the Hector Naris deal. But at this point, I, I still don't think they're just incredibly better than they were last year. And they were a team that missed the playoffs last year. I, I just don't think they've improved that much. The other issue, and this getting into deep things, but if you look at Bellinger's numbers, his baseball card numbers, average RBI home runs look really good. You start digging in a little bit deeper, his average exit velocity dropped off big time. His hard hit rate was down. His barrel percentage was down. He was very lucky in a lot of ways, and I'm sure playing at Wrigley helped with that, but he showed some decline with his numbers, which is kind of scary for a guy that's only 28. Um, if that continues, his numbers are not going to look nearly as good as they did last year. Now, maybe he'll find a way to bring those up, but I I think a lot of guys, a lot of teams stayed away from Bellinger because they noticed something in the numbers that showed that he is kind of on a downward trajectory. So we'll see how that plays out. But if that's the case, then I don't think the Cubs are much better at all than last year. Well, it's going to be fascinating because if that's the case, right, the Cubs are going to be on the hook for him for two or three more years oh yeah he's, he's taking that opt-in out. oh right. yeah mm-hmm. and so they're going to be paying 30 million dollars for a guy that's not worth it so hi jason harewood um but <laughs> but that speech yeah i gave him a ring i guess that's all that matters um but yeah i don't know i think it's um you know those pitchers for the pitchers especially though i mean you run the you run the risk right if you're not signing in the next couple of weeks i, I mean i know they're warm i know they're keeping in shape and they'll be kind of ready to go, but you know, so does everybody else. It, it's going to take two to three weeks to be fully game ready. I mean, if they don't sign by, well, if they don't sign by probably before March 15th, right. But you know, that's just another three weeks, maybe. Uh, so you're looking at two, two and a half weeks. If they don't sign, they're not going to be ready for opening day. And especially if you sign a one year deal, 
teams are going to be hesitant about, well, I'm not even getting the full year. So yeah, it could be kind of a, a cycle or a spiral that it keeps them out for a while. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe, you know, I talk about it like it's Boris being stubborn, but it's the mm-hmm. players' decisions. But from what we hear, a lot of times the players put so much power in Boris's hands, it's kind of like, okay, you just tell me what to do. You just wonder if he's so stubborn that he's willing to make them wait if he's going to go into the season. We've seen that happen a couple times. Uh, it's uh, It seems terrible to me. Maybe with Snell, they're waiting until there's no comp pick involved or uh, but with montgomery that's not even an issue Mm -hmm. so it just seems like it's getting ridiculous um i think we'll see something in the next week i i would be very very surprised if at least one of them has not signed by the time that we talk next week i think it will happen because like you said they are going to run the risk of possibly not being ready for the season so i i think at least one of them if not both of them have signed by next week if not yeah, it starts getting a little hairy. Okay, everybody, you keep David in line. Make sure you let him know about it if they don't, because I'll probably forget. Um, <laughs> and so, I won't bring it up. Yeah, so he won't bring it up. So, you know, keep him honest there. Uh, I mean, maybe. I, I, I think that's that's pretty much place. You know, look, I mean, Boris is infallible till he's not, right? I mean, it, you and I were talking about it. The man's 72. Um He's obviously got a staff that works for him, but he's still kind of the figurehead. He's still the guy that makes the big, the big picture decisions, if nothing else. And, you know, and there comes a point in every in every institution that you're not what you were, and all it takes is one year like this for people to realize that maybe he's not what he was. And I'm not saying that he's going to just spiral into nothingness or we're never going to hear from Scott Boris again after two or three years. But I also wonder if this isn't a place where some of that, you know, almost complete power that he has over the free agent market kind of starts to slip away a little bit. Yeah, it's very possible. And he'll probably announce collusion is happening or something like that. If, if he gets embarrassed from this and uh, because he won't take the blame on himself, but um, he may be slipping. The owners have may have just said, you know, what? we're fed up with this. We're not going to deal with it. Um, Cubs owner uh, Ricketts kind of came out and said, Hey, you're going to talk to my GM. You're not going to talk to me directly. I, even though that's your, that's your play. That's not going to happen. And so apparently that is what happened that Boris dealt with the GM. Um, but yeah, and the thing is, you know, we talk about Snell and Montgomery, but you still got guys like Lorenzen, Clevenger. There's a couple other guys out there who normally would also be signed by this point. So you're really talking about maybe five or six pitchers that are still out there that could easily slot into a rotation that are still available at this point, which is just unheard of. And so it may be Boris and maybe Boris is causing a backlog or a log jam for, for other agents as well. Uh, but it, it looks like owners are kind of, or GMs are standing up to him and going, we're not going to play your game. We're going to play this on our terms, especially with all the money issues with Bally's and things like that. Um, they're not giving into his demands. We'll have to see though, who's calling who's bluff in this because these pitchers may end up getting their money and we may go, well, Boris had it right all along. He got exactly what he wanted, or maybe we see them take the Bellinger deals and we go, okay, maybe he's actually slipping a little bit and the owners called his bluff and he kind of got caught with his pants down. Well, if they're fanatics fancy, he could have them up and it wouldn't matter. <laughs> so, and now that we've brought this whole thing full circle, it's time to, to get out of here. So, 
David, I'll be with you next week uh, to talk about another uh, another week of, of Cardinal baseball. I have more than just two games, so hopefully we'll have a lot of interesting things to talk about. And um, until then, for David, I'm Daniel. Good night. What do you want to play, Sam? We're going to play uh, Take Me Out to the Ball Game. We're all going to sing it, too. Thank <laughs> you.